The story of the Exodus is this beautiful story of people who were enslaved, held against their will, and for their future, it would appear that nothing would ever change, that it would always stay as it would have, but their cries were not, not missed by God. When they cried out to God, he maybe didn't react in the time that they wanted him to. In fact, about 400 years passed from the time that they went there until the time that they walked from that land. But during that 400 years, God had not forgotten them and he was mindful of them. And the story of the Exodus is this beautiful story of a group of people who had a slave or enslaved mentality, learning that God had called them to live free. And maybe nothing is as quite as powerful or quite as beautiful as the moment that we are about to explore these next two weeks. The moment where, where God has an opportunity to directly address His people. Certainly His presence has been made known and been felt there as, as God has led them in a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire at night. They've watched as God levied against the land of Egypt uh, 10 different plagues, 10 different opportunities for God to point to one of their gods and say, I'm great greater than your gods. I'm greater than the things that you have set up in place of me. We've, we've watched as God delivers his people through the Red Sea, parting the waters of the Red Sea, and they walk through that. And certainly for every person, whether old or young, that moment had to leave an indelible mark on their understanding of God, realizing that when there's God involved in the equation, the impossible no longer is impossible. They've, they've been humans just like you and I, and last week we talked about one of their worst habits and that, that they failed to trust God and they often complained. And how did you do this week, incidentally? I heard a lot of people, all week, people were talking about complaining, right? I think a lot of people were talking about complaining about having to talk about complaining, right? Um, and I love this statement. I loved it. All this, I heard this this week. I think it was just because I was around. Probably they complained at will when I wasn't. But um, I loved it because, because they would say, not that I'm complaining. <laughs> not that I'm complaining, but you know why I love that? Because they didn't go on to say what they were going to say. And guys, if we can just stop complaining there, we are, we are light years ahead of where we were before that. If it's just in our mind, am I complaining right here? I'm satisfied to know that at least we're thinking about it. And guys, hey, let's just make this a habit because no one wants to hear our complaining anyhow. They're not interested in it, all right? That was free. Let's get back on task here because we don't have much time this morning. In this moment, they're, they're gathered here, and, and well, if you have your Bibles this morning, let's just grab them. Turn with me to Exodus, <clears throat> the 19th chapter, and the Bible will, will open it up for us better than I could. It said, on the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, so this has been a, a period of time has passed, on the day that they came to the wilderness of Sinai, they set out from Rephelim, and they came to the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness. And there Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. Now, I'm just going to quickly point this out because we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But if you're the children of Israel and you're a multiple millions of people possibly out here on this epic journey from Egypt to the land flowing with milk and honey, you guys know the story, right? Man, land flowing with milk and honey, which is code for lots of grass and lots of education. You have to be thinking, as God says, let's turn out into the wilderness of Sinai. I, I have a picture here. This is the Sinai wilderness, just so you guys know right here. I, I'm just guessing that some of the people are looking at this and they're thinking, God, what are you thinking? 
Where are you going to find food to feed millions of people out here? God, we've already had water problems. Where are you going to find water here? If you've ever been in a place in your life where you look around and you say, God, I have no idea why you're bringing me here. You're not alone because we've all been there and the children of Israel are there right now. God turns them out into the Sinai wilderness and then Moses goes up to have a conversation with God. I don't know what about. Maybe it was just their normal daily routine. It does appear that God and Moses had these conversations fairly frequently. But the Lord called him up into the mountain or out into the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and to the people of Israel. And God is going to tell them four things that all of us need to hear. These four things, guys, are are really critical because not only do we want to hear them in some way, but they're important for us to recognize. So here's what God says. Let's just look at these. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The first thing that God wants them to recognize is, listen, guys, I want you to remember How I've taken care of you. How I've borne you on eagle's wings. Which is kind of a weird thing if you're a person like me and you have a cartoon bubble that kicks on. Because um, I can just see somebody with like eagle's wings right here. Um, But but the metaphor that God is trying to get is, is that I picked you up out of this place. And I've carried you soaring over the difficulties that you've encountered. And I'm putting you on a high place. I'm, I'm setting you up for success. Now this morning... You might look at your life and you say, God, I'm not so sure that you set me up for success. Last week, we we said that one of the dangers about complaining is that that sometimes it, it keeps us from taking responsibility for the mistakes that we've made. And I'll just say this to you this morning. In my life personally, I can't speak for you, but but so many times God has set me up to do well, and and because of my own mistakes, I've messed that up. Because of my own laziness or my own, my own pride or my own, uh, my own ignorance, I, I, I missed an opportunity that God had given. Listen, if you know the story of the children of, of Israel in the, in the wilderness right here, you're going to know that this doesn't end for some of these people well. But it's not because God didn't intend for it to. And maybe that's why what follows this is so important because God says, listen, Israel, I've I've plucked you out of a bad situation and I've given you a fresh start. How many of you here this morning have had more than one fresh start in your life because of God? Amen. Oh yeah. I know some of us are afraid to raise our hands in church. It's okay. They won't, I won't call on you from here. We've got that fresh start. We've got that new opportunity. And God says to Israel, I've given you that. So he said, "I've, I've borne you on eagle's wings. And I brought you to myself. I've I, I carried you here. Now, I know it doesn't look like this is the here is too exciting. <laughs> but trust me. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. God says in verse 5, listen, guys, if you'll just Obey my voice. Remarkably, Jesus would say this over and over again in the New Testament, wouldn't he? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, do what I say. And, and, and probably you've heard me say that a ton of times. Because the remarkable thing is, is that, that, that we're so good at, at, at 
knowing what we should do, and we're so good at wanting to do what we should do, but we're so much like Peter, aren't we? Where Jesus looked at Peter and he said, watch and pray, Peter. Your spirit is willing. I know your heart's in it, Peter. I know that you want to do the right thing. I appreciated what Boo talked about this morning in the communion meditation because so often up here we want to do it, but when we go to do it, the flesh is weak. Watch and pray, Peter, because your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. God says to the children of Israel, listen, guys, I've given you an opportunity to do nothing but succeed and soar. You can become a powerful nation. You can accomplish things that no one would ever have imagined. I will set you up in the place that I promised I would. But you've got to do your part, too. If you will deed, obey my voice. If you'll do what I say, he said, you will be my own possession. How many of you have ever wished that, don't raise your hand to this one. They'll get you in trouble right here because somebody in this room knows your family, all right? Uh, How many of you ever wished that you were born into a different family? Don't raise your hand, all right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't laugh real loud either. That's a bad sign. Yeah, all right. I mean, I'll bet you have once or twice. You know, like, like when you were a kid, I remember I, remember I grew up with a, with a friend of mine, and, and now in retrospect, I wouldn't trade my parents for anything in the world. My, my mom and dad were just wonderful country people. My dad was a blue-collar dad, just a very hardworking, honest, wonderful people. They provided for me very well. But one of my good friends' dad was a doctor. And, um, and, and now I know as an adult that, that there was so much about, you know, his dad was never home, so he was buying his love, kind of, but man, he would get everything. Like the newest video system come out, man, bam, he would get it. If he wanted a new tennis racket or a new bike or whatever, he'd just tell his dad, bam, he got it. And I, will, I won't lie to you, I remember thinking as I was a kid, man, I wish I was his family. I wish that they had adopted me, you know? <laughs> it's terrible, huh? <laughs> My mom and dad have passed away, so you guys can't tell them, see? <laughs> God says to the children of Israel, listen, guys, if you just do what I tell you to do, you'll be my possession. You'll be in my family. I will adopt you in. Now, you think about this for just a moment, guys. Of all the families in the world that you can be a part of, there's not a greater family that you can be a part of than the family of God. Amen? I mean, that is it. And God said, hey, listen, you just do what I say. You'll be a part of, of my family. And then he, he, he finishes up. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. I want you to know something this morning. I, I know that these things are spoken to the people of Israel. I get that. You read it right there. But do you realize that every single one of these promises, every single one of these things are things that God has reiterated to those of us living today as well? Those of us who are a part of of the new covenant, a part of the church, do you realize that every single one of these things, God said, I'm going to pull you out of the place where you are and I'm going to bring you to myself. What do you think happened on the cross? That wasn't because we deserved it or we earned it. Boo read a verse this morning that reminds us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies of the cross, Christ was willing to stretch out his hands and shed his blood so that someday, generations from then, there could be a little boy come forward at camp and 
obviously I need to give my life to the Lord and have his sins washed away. And for each and every one of us, God has done that. Do you realize that God has called us and said, listen, I just want you guys to obey me. I want you to follow me. I want you to do the things that I've called you to do because there's a reason why I've said to do those things or to avoid those things. Do you realize that God has said that those of us in the New Testament church also can be his own possession? Titus 2 and verse 14, 1 Peter, 2nd chapter, verses 9 and 10. We're not going to go there for the sake of time this morning. Both those verses promise that to those of us who are part of the new covenant. And then he says he wants us to be a, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation as well. Revelation talks about that. First Peter in the second chapter really is all about us becoming that, that in, the, in the new covenant. This means that if we're going to be set apart, if we're going to be this holy people, if we're going to be this nation of priests, that our purpose and our standard is somehow different from everyone else around us. If you still have your Bibles open, read with me what God says next. And so Moses called the elders of the people before him and all the words of the Lord that commanded him. And all the people answered together. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Isn't, isn't that just like us? Like we're in church on Sunday and, and the preacher says, you need to do this. Amen. And what does everyone say? Amen, right? Yeah, we'll do it. Moses comes down and said, listen here. God says he's done great things for you. Amen. God says that he wants you to do what he says. Amen. God says that, that, that you will become a, a nation of priests. Amen. All right, they're good with this. Well, let's do it. <laughs> all the people answered and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the Lord to the people. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you, and they may also believe you forever. God said, oh, by the way, I'm going to show up in person. <laughs> now, this is a part of the story that quickly this morning I want us to notice. Because so far, this is, this is great. All right, we, we, we can have a relationship with God if we just do what he says. And this is really, really good. But I think we have a problem culturally today that I think we need to look at the second part of what God says to the people. Because guys, I, I just worry that we are way too casual about God. We are way too relaxed about the creator of the universe. We're way too comfortable thinking that somehow God, our heavenly father, the eternal creator, is something like a celestial grandfather. I want you to notice what God says. When Moses goes back and said, hey, all the people are on board with this, God, they, they, they said, yeah, we'll do it. This is what God comes back with. The Lord said to Moses, we're in verse 10 of chapter 19 of Exodus, if you're following along, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments and be ready on the third day, for the third day the Lord will come to the Mount Sinai in sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch it, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. 
When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. And so, people, so the Moses went down from the mountain, and, and all the people consecrated themselves, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready uh, for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Let's just code. That's nice code right there for, um, well, you guys are adults, you know. <clears throat> On the morning of the third day... There was, there, was, there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that the people trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp near to God and they, they stood at the mountain. And that mountain was, was, was wrapped in, in, in smoke because the Lord had descended on it. We're going to stop there for just a moment this morning. I, we're going to come back to this, but I just want to touch something really, really quickly that happens right here. Because guys, approaching God requires preparation. It's all well and good for me or for you to say, yes, I want to be on team God. But, but when, when Moses goes back and says, okay, the people want to have a relationship with you, God, they are willing to do what you said. They've seen your greatness. They've seen your power. God says, okay, then prepare yourselves for this relationship to happen. And then there's a couple things that God tells them that they got to do. Number one, he said, I want you to wash your clothes. Now you might wonder why in the world is God worried about laundry when he's coming down to the people. It wasn't that God was worried about the dirt on their clothes. God wanted them to understand something. And by washing their clothes, they just kind of cemented in their activities what they should be doing in their heart. God said, I don't want you just showing up to me in how you came. Not that God doesn't love us in our brokenness and in our sin, because he does. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We just shared that. But what he was saying is, is I want you to clean up. I want you to change. How many of your moms, you ever drug up to the table in, in work clothes? I did this several times. I tried it all the time. I drag up to the table in work clothes for dinner. My mom would look at me, give me the old stank eye. You guys know what I'm talking about right there? Go change your clothes. Or she'd come up and she would smell my hair, which is a weird thing to do. All right? I'm like, mom, why, why are you doing that? You stink. Go take a shower. We're going to eat and you can come back and eat when you've cleaned up and you've made yourselves presentable. Guys, listen to me. When we come into a relationship with the eternal creator of the universe, the very least we can do is make ourselves presentable. Sometimes we drag up and we have sin in our life that we know about. We have mess ups that's going on. We are stained with our own, with our own tragedies. And rather than just confessing our sins and saying, God, forgive me, I'm broken. We just think, well, God, you got to accept me like I am. And I could preach the rest of the morning about this. Jesus, there's a parable of a man who would not change his outer garment. Said, no, I like my clothes like they are. Even though there was a wedding garment provided. And Jesus said, that guy's getting kicked out. God said, listen, listen, hey, here's what you got to do. You, you got to wash your clothes. And then they were to abstain from sexual relations. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with sexual relations. Please understand that this morning. Um, it's not somehow dirty or sinful, but God was wanting them to prepare their minds. He said, I don't want there to be anything to distract you from this moment that you are about to encounter. Guys, there's so much that we allow in life to, to distract us when it comes to God. James, the fourth chapter, verses 8, 9, and 10 says this. James writes, he says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Guys, there are seasons in our life where it is healthy, and I would say essential 
that we humble ourselves before God. And that's all God is asking of his people to do right here. He said, I want you to clean up your lives. Be repentant. James says the same thing. Cleanse your hands, purify your heart, be repentant, and be humble. And then God says, I want you to honor the boundaries. He said, I don't want anybody touching the mountain that I'm going to be on. You know, any healthy relationship has boundaries, doesn't it? How many of you ever had somebody that just did not understand boundaries in a relationship? You guys been there before? You know what I'm talking about? Is somebody who doesn't understand a, a, a perimeter, uh, someone doesn't understand boundaries. I, I have a good friend that was like that. Man, if he needed something, he'd just come help himself. You could be eaten. All right. Now, you guys have to know, uh, just a quick story. I grew up in a, as an only kid, right? So I didn't have any siblings. My family was very, very formal, all right? Obviously, because my mom made me clean up, become dinner in white tie. Um, no, not, not that bad. But, but we, we had all of our plates, we had our, own, we had our own silverware, and I went to college with a guy, and I would be eating lunch, right, in, in my dorm room, and I had a table, and, and just how it was, I had a glass, I had a plate, I had silverware, it was all laid out, just like it was supposed to be, the way God ordained, right? This rascal would just come in, grab my fork, pick something off of my plate, eat it, and then put my fork back. Guy had no boundaries, I didn't know what to do. I just locked the dorm room. That's what I did. I'm going to eat, lock the door. But God said, listen, in our relationship, guys, there's going to be some boundaries. And you you can see this throughout the entirety of the Bible. Please understand, in fact, if you read through this text, I don't have time this morning to go through this, that when Moses goes back up to God, God says, make sure that nobody's touching the mountain. And Moses is like, God, they got it the first time. Why do you think God is so worried? Well, he tells us there in the text, he said, unless I would strike out against them. The last thing God wanted for this first encounter with his people, this moment where he could stand and address his people, the last thing he wanted was for somebody to die because God knew something. God knew he was holy. And guys, I'm not. And you're not this morning. Let's just be honest. We, we want to be, but we're not. And God said, I'm holy. I am righteous. I am complete light. There is no darkness in me whatsoever. And you guys maybe aren't so holy and so righteous. Let's just notice a couple things quickly this morning. Number one, ignoring the boundaries, it's a big deal. You know, when people ignore boundaries, sometimes today we think, well, that's what God said, but I don't care. I don't have to do that. I know that's what the Bible says, but I don't think that that's the way it should be. You look at that and you think, God, isn't that a little heavy? If someone touches a mountain, they get shot. (laughs) But the boundaries with God are a big deal. God said this is a way that things are supposed to be. And we are called to approach God with something called reverence. We're not a very reverent culture anymore, are we? We don't reverend anything. Part of the debate that we see happening in our culture today is whether or not reverence is still appropriate. Guys, you can you can be reverent towards things or not against things or not towards things. I'm pretty pretty easy on a lot of things, but listen, there is no room for debate about reverence with God. God is God. He is the ultimate authority, and He deserves our unquestioned respect always. Throughout the Bible, there's stories of people that 
maybe well-intentioned, people like Uzzah who reached out and touched the Ark of the Covenant. And God has set a boundary around that. He said, don't touch it. They touched it, and Uzzah dies, and David gets mad. God said, it's not my fault, David. I told you not to do that. Here are the boundaries. Even from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, when, when God creates Adam and Eve in this garden, places them there in an absolute perfect world, there was this one boundary, wasn't there? God said, there's this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch it. Don't eat from it, lest you die. What did they do? They ate from it. There's something about human nature that sees a boundary and wants to push it. If you've raised kids or certain kinds of kids, you know this, right? We, we, I'm a boundary pusher, all right? All right? I'll be honest about that. I have a boundary pusher. You show me the line, I'm going to go up and kick it just to see. And guys, when that happens with God, you die. God doesn't... He doesn't play. And it's not because God hates us. Over and over again, God, as you read through this text, if you, if you just read it this afternoon, over and over again, God tells Abraham, remember, don't go to the mountain. Make sure it's partitioned off. Make sure no one can get to it. I don't want to do this. I don't enjoy doing this. But I am God, and there's certain things that are just the way they are. Irreverence is the byproduct of an inadequate sense of the holiness of God. Irreverence is the byproduct of not recognizing who God is. That's his nature. As we close this morning, I want you to notice just one more thing in this story. That approaching God requires a mediator. You notice throughout this whole story that that Moses kind of is this in-between person between God and the people. God, the people go to the mountain where God's called them, and then Moses goes up and God says, hey, I want all these things for you. And so Moses comes back and he tells the people, this is what God wants. Are you, do you guys want what God wants? Yes, we want what God wants. Great. So then God, Moses goes back to God and says, God, they're on, on board. They want this. And God said, great. I want to come and I want to share with them the 10 things that they need to do, the 10 commandments. I want to verbally share these with them. And, and, but, but here's the deal. You've got to cordon off this mountain. The things have got to be just so. They've got to wash up. They've got to be prepared. Great. Moses goes back and he tells the people, here's what God says. And then he brings all the people up and, and he says, God, they're ready. And God said, make sure that they're, that they're not going to touch the mountain. They, They've got it, God. They're good with that, right? You notice this. There's this mediator that goes in between, between God and, and men. Moses was not a perfect mediator. But we have one who is. In Hebrews, the 11th cha- or 8th chapter, rather, in verses 5 and 6, it says this. It says, they serve, and it's talking here about all the things that we're studying about, all the things that happened in the past. They serve a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, the the tabernacle, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make it everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as a covenant. He mediates is better since it's enacted on better promises. In a moment, we're going to read what happens here in this last part of this text as the singers come and we close out in a word of uh, just singing today. But but I want you to catch what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 8. He said, listen, he said, we have a better deal than they got. You might be sitting here and thinking, boy, I wish I could be there. Boy, that would have been, a, that would be awesome to, to, be, to be standing out there and seeing the presence of God erupt on the top of this mountain. 
to hear the thunder, to see the lightning. I bet that would make me shake in my boots too. Boy, I wish I could have been there and watched as we walked across the Red Sea. I, I wish I could have seen God bring these plagues against the, the, the Egyptians. That would have been amazing. I, I, I wish, and I think there's a part of all of us that said, man, that would be neat to see. But the writer of Hebrews says, listen, guys, you have no idea the better deal that you have right now because we're not just a kind of a group of people that are the family of God. We are children of God ourselves, not just in a name or as a people group, but individually, we have been adopted in to God's family. We have what I always say is a seat at the table with the most powerful being in the universe. Notice what happens in verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. And Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, just like a chimney, just belching blackness. And the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on the Mount Sinai, on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Can you imagine? I mean, you look, you look at some people, you think, wow, what a story. Here you wake up one morning, boop, boop, boop. Right? I mean, you think a chicken's loud. The trumpet of God will wake you out of your sleep. All these people come out of the tents because today's the big day. They stand there. The trumpet gets louder. They all walk towards this moment. And then their leader is called in a thunder to go and approach God up on this mountain. And Moses goes. Why does Moses go? Because Moses knows that he's been called. Moses knows that he's consecrated himself, that he's prepared himself. Moses knows where the boundaries are. But most importantly, Moses has a relationship with the one who's calling him. Where the rest of the world quakes in fear, Moses walks with confidence. And you and I are to walk the same way today. Let us then approach the throne of grace with boldness. We can only do that, guys, when we know that We've set ourselves apart, that we are living as holy as we possibly can. We can only do that, guys, when we know the one to whom we're walking toward. Now, we know that when we arrive there, that to the best of our ability, we have prepared ourselves and have reverence for the one to whom we're going to meet. We don't serve just some kind of backwoods God. <laughs> no, no. We serve the creator of the universe. And when he shows up, the world listens but what he really wants is to have a relationship with you and me if you don't have that relationship this morning I just want to challenge you to figure that out to fix that if there's something that's in between you and God if there's a boundary that God has set and you know you've crossed it whether it's a whether it's a lifestyle choice whether it's an attitude whether it's an old hurt that you've hung on to whatever it might be don't let that boundary separate you from God Maybe, maybe some of us here this morning just never have got on God's side. We've never been washed in the waters of baptism. It's going to be a whole lot better than the Israelites washing their clothes in the desert. When we're washed, we're, we're clothed in white. Maybe today's a day for us to make that decision so that when the final trumpet blast rings, 
when the whole world hears that God has returned, we can do as Moses did and walk confidently towards our eternal home. Let's stand together.